So we're going to take some time now to look at this um, text in Exodus 2, 11 to 15, the story that Kathy read for us about Moses. And I'd like to begin with a question this morning, and that is, have you ever made a New Year's resolution and kept it? <laughs> or uh, have you ever started a new discipline? Maybe exercising, maybe eating better, maybe reading your Bible more and stuck with it until it became a habit and a permanent part of your life. If you succeeded, why? Why did you succeed? What made the difference compared to all those other resolutions that you didn't stick with? What, what we're talking about today is, is perseverance. As we finish our review series on transformation, transformation requires perseverance. It requires sticking with it and not giving up. And before we get into it, I'd like to once again invite you to share your thoughts and your experiences with one another for a few minutes in the breakout rooms. I'd like to invite you to tell each other what you think makes the difference between the successful resolutions or habits that you form, that you follow through on, and all those other ones that you don't wind up following through on. What makes the difference? What enables people to persevere? And so we're going to stick you in groups of three or four uh, to discuss for a few minutes. And as always, if you'd, if you'd really just rather not, uh, you can decline the invitation that you'll get on your screen and you can just stay in the main service while the, the others chat for a while. And you'll get a warning uh, when you've got about a minute left in the breakout room and then so you can wrap up and then you'll, you can return or you'll be returned to the main service. So one more time, uh, the question to discuss is what makes the difference between the new habits that you stick with and persevere in and the ones that fall by the wayside? All right, there's your invitation. All right, welcome back everybody. Again, uh, for the past few weeks, we have been looking at the topic of transformation and uh, looking at the topic of the way we change from the inside out as we become people who are more and more like Jesus, who have the heart of God. And we've already looked, if you think back a few weeks back, we've looked at identity. We've seen that transformation begins by, by knowing who we are, by knowing that we belong to a new family now, that we're God's children. And God loves us deeply and unconditionally. And so God parents us. God shapes us to help us become more like his family resemblance. God is parenting us to, to teach us um, how people act in his family. He's teaching us the family values. He's teaching us the family culture, the family code of conduct and of character. So transformation begins by knowing who we are, by knowing our identity. And then second, we next uh, talked about sensitivity, and we remembered that we are a led people, right? We don't figure out transformation for ourselves. Rather, God leads us. And so we learn to listen. We learn to be sensitive, to be led by God's spirit and by God's word. God has a plan for our transformation, and it's our job to trust him and to follow his step or follow his lead step by step. Then third, last Sunday, we looked at training. Transformation requires effort. It requires that we engage in spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines to grow. As our speaker last week, David Hemmerley, suggested, um, 
there, there are many different uh, practices. He suggested three, which can help train us for transformation. Does anyone remember what they are? Standing in the truth, believing the best, and keeping doing good. <laughs> well, today we finish finally with a focus on perseverance, endurance. This journey of transformation is a lifelong journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so we've got to stick with it. We've got to persevere. We've got to keep remembering our identity when we forget it. We've got to stay sensitive to God's leading when we take the steering wheel of our lives back from God and we fall back into doing it our own way. And then we've also got to keep training when we get distracted and we fall aside and we get lazy spiritually. We have to persevere. You know, I looked up the word perseverance, the word endurance in the Bible last week. I did a search and I was struck by just how many times in God's word we're encouraged to persevere, to endure. And what I noticed is as I looked at encouragement after encouragement in the scriptures to endure, to persevere, I, I noticed all the reasons that we need to be reminded to endure, encouraged to endure. Why? Because following Jesus, being part of God's family in this world is hard. We will face persecution. People will oppose us, criticize us, pressure us to give up the faith. We will also face other trials. We'll go through hard things. We'll grow weary. We'll grow discouraged. Life is hard and God doesn't shield us from every difficulty. And sometimes we wonder maybe if God really cares and if following him is really worth it. We also face temptation, don't we? Uh, sometimes what the world has to offer seems so good, so shiny, so appealing. And so it's tempting to give up the journey and to turn aside. If I were to summarize why it's so difficult to to persevere, and why the Bible reminds us so many times and talks to us about it, I'd summarize it with three Ds. First, distractions. Second, deceptions. And third, disheartenments. Distractions, right? There are, are so many other options, so many possibilities. Career advancement, a bigger house, a newer car, um, activities, hobbies for us and for our kids. Uh, so many options that, that take our time, take our attention, and can easily distract us from cultivating a deep, rich, transformative relationship with God. Then also deceptions. So many messages about what life is really about that are out there in the culture, about who we really are. Um, a major message today that we're really consumers, right? That, that life is about getting that new gadget or having that amazing vacation or watching that cool Netflix series or, or finding that, that fulfilling relationship or sexual experience that's, that's really going to fill that hole in our heart. So many deceptions about, about who we are and what life is about. So distractions, deceptions, and then also disheartenments. Is that a word? Sometimes we feel disheartened, don't we? Um, life gets hard, we feel weary, we lose hope, and God doesn't seem to be there or fixing it all or making it all better. 
And, and so we get discouraged. Maybe we, we used to feel that our relationship with God was exciting and fulfilling, but now it feels distant. It feels unfulfilling. And so we drift. Like a marathon runner, we get, we get weary and we slow our pace, or, or maybe we drop out of the race completely. And, and God knows all this. God knows what we face in seeking to endure and persevere. God knows that, that for his kids, transformation isn't an easy road. And that's why again and again, God in his word encourages us to persevere. Because here's the thing about long distance races. It's not about how you start the race that matters. It's how you finish the race. I ran long distance in high school. I was on the cross country team. I ran uh, the distance races and track. And I can tell you, it's not how you start in a long race. It's how you endure and how you finish. In fact, we had a word for runners who would start out fast and get way out in front. We called them rabbits. And, and, and we looked down on them, sort of. We'd say, oh, they're just a rabbit. You know, just wait. Because invariably, halfway through the race, they'd fade. They'd run out of gas. They didn't have what it took to endure. And so while they looked good at first, by the time they got to the finish, or by the time we got to the finish, they, the rabbits, they weren't anywhere to be seen as the winners were crossing the line. Now, I shouldn't say when we got to the finish because I was never one of the winners. I was back there with the rabbits. But the rabbits were completely forgotten at the end of the race. Because what matters in a long-distance race is not how you start. It's how you finish. It's not how you begin the Christian life that first flush of enthusiasm and excitement and love for God, it's what happens after that begins to fade. Are you still running? Are you still enduring? Well, the Bible's full of stories of, of people who endured over the long haul and through hard times. There's Abraham and Sarah. There's Joseph. There's Ruth. There's David and Elijah and Jeremiah the Apostle Paul, just, just to name a few. But I'd like to take some time and remember the story of Moses and, and how Moses persevered. We began three weeks ago with Moses, right? Gina Mueller uh, took us back to the story of Moses and, and how God gave Moses a new identity. We were looking at identity and, and how this new identity was the basis of Moses's transformation so that he could fulfill the amazing purposes that God had for him. And so let's look again at the, the story of Moses and see how Moses perseveres along the way. And as we do, I'll, I'll point out to you three of the keys, three of the resources that it takes to endure over the long run. Remember, we talked about those New Year's resolutions that go by the wayside and what's the difference with the ones you stick with? Well, there could be a lot of different keys, but here's three of them that we see in the, the story of Moses. We'll look at those as we get to them. It's very likely that, that Moses grew up with a confused identity. Moses was adopted. He was the son of Hebrew slaves. But from a young age, he grew up in royalty as an Egyptian prince. And, and so the first hint we get that Moses' identity was coming clear is, 
is in the passage that we read this morning when Moses, as a young man likely, went out and he saw the toil and the oppression of the Hebrew people, his blood people. And he witnessed an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And when Moses sees this, he leaps into action, he steps in, he rescues the slave, and he kills the Egyptian. Moses sides here, he identifies with his blood family, that identity, over against the adopted identity of being an Egyptian. Well, Moses quickly realizes that he's in trouble. He's committed murder. He's killed a public officer. And so he has to flee for his life to the desert. And this begins a very long journey, a marathon for Moses. Think of what it must have been like for him. He grew up highly educated, cultured, living in comfort and privilege, and he suddenly finds himself as an exile, a fugitive, a nobody, an an immigrant, unknown. Everything that he had has been stripped away. Is Moses going to make it? Will he endure? What will he become? When Moses begins his journey, he's a murderer or a failed liberator, depending on how you look at it, but a violent, impulsive one nonetheless. And so he's got a lot of growing to do. A lot of transformation needs to take place. Well, in in God's providence, a family takes Moses in. He lives with them. He, He works for them. He even marries one of their daughters. But this life, this new life for Moses is nothing like what he'd known in the palace. No, he's, he's shepherding sheep now. He's doing physical farm work outside, developing calluses, getting sunburn in the elements. For 40 years, Moses is a farmhand in the desert, far from the, the hills of, com- the, sorry, the halls of comfort, far from the culture, the influence the significance, the purpose, and the impact that he had known. Forty years of this. Often the transformation process takes a lot longer than we think it should. When it comes to the development of our character, the transformation of our hearts, there are no shortcuts. There are no easy roads. Usually transformation just plain takes lots of time. When I was in my 20s, I was eager to get married, but it wasn't until very late in my 20s that I found my bride. And uh, as I was going through my 20s, it it seemed like I was single forever at the time. And, And I wondered, why is this taking so long? Well, once I got married, I very quickly began to realize how much in me needed to change in order for me to be a good husband in order for me to to love Anne. And I realized, man, this is hard enough now, this growing business, this maturing that I need to do. There's no way that, that this would have worked, no way that I would have been ready for this five years ago. God must have been preparing me all this time. That's why it took so long. There are no shortcuts when it comes to our character and our transformation. Well, back to Moses, I wonder during those 40 years if he thought about his Hebrew people back in Egypt suffering or if he blocked them out of his mind. 
But, but finally, he has an experience where God appears to Moses in a burning bush, right? It's, it's the Lord, the God of Moses' fathers, the, the God of Moses' identity, his family, who, who calls himself, I am who I am. I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Lord says, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now, Moses, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Here's a purpose for Moses, a calling besides just shepherding sheep, a place in a bigger story that's going somewhere, that has a future. And here we have the first resource of the three that I'll mention that we need in order to persevere. Um, They'll all start with the letter M. And the first is meta-narrative, which is a big long word to mean a big story. But hey, it starts with the letter M, so... We need a meta narrative. We need a big story to be part of, a story that's bigger than us. God tells Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your ancestors. I have a people, the, the Hebrews, the people you are a part of. They, these are my people, and they have a past. I began something with them in the past. You are a part of a history. You, they, come from somewhere, and I have a future for them and for you as well. Right now, they're enslaved and oppressed. Right now, you are sidelined, but I am going to set them free, and I am going to use you. I'm going to bring them into their own land. I'm going to give them an awesome future. Here, God is giving Moses a meta-narrative. He's giving Moses a big story to give meaning to Moses' life and later to the life of his people. A story to be a part of, a story to give him and them hope and courage, a story to find his identity and purpose within. If we are going to persevere, we need to know that persevering matters, that it means something we need to remember that we are part of a bigger story. And um, that's what we find right here in this Bible. If you don't get you know, bogged down in the book of Leviticus, this is a big story, an amazing story, which gives us meaning and purpose, tells us the family and the identity that we're a part of, and tells us where it's all going. Well, back to Moses, little does he know how many more years it will take until the happy ending comes for God's people. Little does he know all the trouble that will be involved along the way. Well, maybe he actually has some inkling because he he doesn't want to do it. (laughs) He doesn't want to take on the purpose God calls him to. He says, Lord, please send somebody else. I don't want to lead your people out of slavery. But God assures him, Moses, I will be with you. I will go with you. I will empower you and equip you and guide you. You're not going on your own. While Moses continues to resist, and when Moses continues, the Lord even throws in 
uh, Moses' brother Aaron to be Moses' spokesman and companion. And so here's the second resource we need to persevere. We need mates in the Australian sense. Friends, companions, people to travel with, mates. When I was a long-distance runner, I never would have stuck with it if I'd had to do it all alone. But I had running partners, I had mates, I had friends to run with. I had Ray and Bill and Brian and John and Nate. And they encouraged me to, to keep going when it got hard. Their companionship made it more fun and interesting along the way. We encouraged one another, we cheered for one another. And that encouragement and the gentle, positive peer pressure of being in it together kept us all running even when we didn't feel like it. That's what mates do. That's what a community does. That, um, a community that's all running together in, in the same direction. And so that's what CBC is supposed to do. We keep one another going. We keep one another on course and on track. That's what Moses had in Aaron, his brother, and later in his sister Miriam. Even though they both turned out to be imperfect in their own ways, our mates always are imperfect. But we need them to persevere. We need a meta-narrative, a big story to give us perspective and identity and purpose and meaning. And we need mates, we need friends, we need traveling companions. When it comes to transformation, to walking faithfully in the way of Jesus, who are your mates? Who's traveling with you? Who's spurring you on? Who's encouraging you and sharing the journey with you? Well, back to Moses, he, he heads for Egypt. And I'm going to have to speed the story up here if we're going to get through. Just to summarize, things do not go well in Egypt. Moses' efforts initially result in Pharaoh treating the Hebrews worse instead of better. Moses' efforts backfire, and Moses' own people, who he's come to save, reject him. But eventually, as Moses perseveres, God wears down Pharaoh with ten plagues, and finally at last, Moses finds himself out there in front as God gloriously delivers his people. They're out of slavery, yay! And they're into a vast, dry, barren, trackless desert. And so, of course, the people complain. They rebel. They Just read Exodus. Read Numbers. The exhilaration, the success of the Exodus quickly fades. And again and again, Moses has to deal with people who are grumbling, who are rebelling, who are wanting to go back to Egypt, saying slavery would be better than this. And it goes from bad to worse for Moses. It's, it's, a, it's a tough road to run. It, it calls for more perseverance. But along the way, God provides Moses with mentors. And this is the third resource we need to persevere. We need mentors. We need someone older and wiser and more mature to give us advice, to give us perspective, to show us the way and to help us to grow. For Moses, that mentor is, first of all, God. Uh, Moses meets with God and God talks with Moses and they converse face to face. Then also on a human level, there's Moses' wise father-in-law, Jethro, who catches up with Moses in the desert at one point. 
just when Moses needs him. And Jethro gives Moses good advice on how to lead, how to organize, how to govern this vast unruly people. We need older, wiser mentors, even Moses did. Have you ever had such a mentor? Have you ever been in a situation where you needed to persevere, where it was hard and you didn't know how to find your way, but you were able to turn to a mentor for the guidance you needed to get you through? I remember in my my early 20s, during some of the hardest months of my life, I was struggling with depression, I was lonely, and I was trying to turn to God with my problems. I was asking God for help. I was trying to find comfort and companionship in God, and there was nothing. You you know when they they say about those times, your prayers never reach past the ceiling? that's, That's how it was. I couldn't feel or sense that God was there at all. I I felt abandoned. I was worried that I'd lost my faith. And and during that time, I had a chance to spend some time with a seminary professor who was visiting the church I was attending. And we went for a walk and he listened to me as I, I poured out my spiritual struggles and my doubts and my questions. And he said to me after listening, you know, it sounds like you're going through a dark night of the soul. And I was like, well, what's that? I never heard of that. And he said, sometimes God allows his people to feel the the emptiness of his absence so that they learn to trust in God's faithfulness rather than in the emotions and the warm fuzzies that they feel uh, of being close to God. And I was like, God does that? That's a thing? (laughs) I, I thought if I was spiritual, if I was faithful to God, I should always feel close to God feel those warm fuzzies. And if I wasn't feeling close to God, something must be wrong with me. And this mentor said, no, sometimes God is is teaching us that it's more about God's faithfulness to us than about our faithfulness to him or our feelings that we're feeling toward God. And so sometimes God comes actually so close to teach us this deep lesson that the shadow of God's presence engulfs us in complete darkness. God is still as close as your next breath, but you have no sense that God is there at all because you're in the shadow of his faithfulness. And I was like, whoa, really? I had no idea that that was a thing. (laughs) That man in that moment was the mentor that I desperately needed to help me to make sense of my experience, to to keep me going, to help me know how to keep going. To persevere, we need mentors. Moses needed God. He needed Jethro. And then Moses, of course, turned around and he was a mentor to young Joshua, who, who would later succeed him and carry the baton and complete the task. One of the most important qualities in a mentor is is that they are a living example of what transformation looks like. Not a perfect example, but a living one. And we need living examples. We need more than the Ten Commandments. We need mentors, living examples of what a righteous life looks like. 
We need more than a bunch of sermons, and Moses gave us some pretty good ones, but we need mentors. We need living examples, lived out sermons. We need to see the faith lived out. We need to see it in real life, in the lives of real people. It's mentors who show us with their lives what we read about in the Bible, that it's real. It's mentors who show us what faith looks like in today's world rather than in biblical times. It's mentors who show us what love looks like, who show us what patience looks like, who show us what forgiveness looks like. It's mentors who show us how to pray, how to live a balanced life where we both work hard and we take time to rest as well. It's mentors who show us how to share our faith, who show us how to love our enemies. We need mentors if we're going to persevere. Well, there's so much more that we could say about Moses and the long journey that he had to persevere in, the the troubles, the, the setbacks he faced, and especially the rebellion that happens next on the edge of the promised land when the spies come back with a scary report about the land they make everybody afraid of the people who live there. And so the people rebel and they refuse to go into the promised land. And so Moses has to lead his people for another 40 years through the wilderness. Can you imagine 40 more years of persevering, of enduring? But along the way, Moses, as he perseveres, He's transformed. He comes to trust God more. He becomes humble. Even when people rise up, they criticize him, they rebel against him, they talk badly about him, they talk about killing him. Moses doesn't get defensive. You think all the way back to that Egyptian he killed in the heat of his anger at the beginning of the story. Moses is non-defensive. He doesn't fight back. He humbly trusts God to uphold his leadership if God chooses to continue doing so. In fact, God says of Moses in the book of Numbers that he was the humblest man alive. How's that for someone like Moses who had a lot to be proud of? Moses who talked to God face to face, who delivered a nation from slavery, who did incredible miracles, who brought down from the mountains the Ten Commandments written by God's own finger, who founded a nation, and yet Moses has been transformed. And so he's not arrogant. He's exceedingly humble. He's the humblest man on the face of the earth. So as we step back now from the life of Moses, we see that along the way, along the long journey of Moses's life, God transformed Moses from that murdering fugitive at the beginning of the story to an amazing, godly, humble leader. And it took time. It took lots of time. It always does. Transformation is a marathon, not a sprint. And the question for each of us is, are we still running? Are we still running the journey of transformation? Or have we given up and turned aside to other things? What matters is not how you began the race, but it's how you will finish it. If we are going to be transformed, we've 
we are going to have to persevere. Let's pray. God, um, we've been learning a lot about perseverance in the last few months. And for some of us, God has been giving a taste, giving you, God, you have been giving us a taste of transformation and how exciting and wonderful it is and how worth it it is. But there have been and there will be other times where it just feels hard and monotonous and our legs are fatigued and we have a cramp in our side and our lungs are burning and we want to give up. And so I pray that you would give us what we need to continue. Remind us of your big story, your meta narrative. Provide mates, friends to run with us. Give us what we need to pursue them, maybe to be a friend. And provide us with mentors. Um, give us a desire to seek them out and give us a desire to be them for others as we grow ourselves so we can turn around and help those behind us. God, help us to persevere and continue transforming us. That's what we want to be as a church. Amen.